At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is the Just Baseball Show for Thursday, March 16th. Jack McFarlane, Arm Layton, we're in person today. Yes. Is that exciting stuff? I love the way you phrase that. Uh, kind of, I guess, right? Sort of. Yeah. Not really. Yeah. I'm already getting sick of you. It's been I like up. my Zoom hole a little yeah. bit better. I like my apartment where I don't have to talk to anybody and I just hop on Zoom and like, hey, this is my social interaction for the day. And then all of a sudden I'm done. Well, when you're talking, I can open a Fangraphs tab too. I don't have to look at you. And you don't have to listen. No. So we should tell the people what we did today. So you just got in. Yes. You and I drove to Jupiter to go see... 35-40 minutes. Yeah, 35-40. To go see Yuri Perez. We get there. Rain delay. They bang the game within 15 minutes. We drive back home and here we are. So here's the thing. You and I are not good with ballpark food. Like, mm-hmm. at all. So I, I am... And you would think, like, okay, I spend, you know, 150 days of my life in a ballpark. Like, I would probably eat that ballpark food... No, because when, when you smell it, and like, no discredit to any ballpark, but when you smell it at 2 p.m., every day, 7 p.m. game every day, yeah, that's gross. and you smell the oil that the chicken tenders are about to bathe in, I'm like, all right, this is nasty. I'm going to have a PB&J for the 14th day in a row. So, yeah, yeah I, you and I got there. We were like, wow, we're starving. We need some food. And then all of a sudden, like, the game is banged. And it's like, well... We could have gotten something better. So we didn't get to see Yuri. We forced down overpriced fried food. Yeah. And we're going to go to the World Baseball Classic game tonight, which by the time people are listening to this, there would have already been a definitive winner between Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic. Yes. And it's winner moves on. Yes. So, I mean, you can't ask for anything more if you're Lone Depot Park. If you're the Marlins that are probably raking in, talk about concessions, this is probably the most they've made off of concessions in years. Correct. And the environment in this game is going to be exciting. So obviously we can't talk about it too much because it's a waste of the listener's time because it already happened. But you and I are and excited. It hasn't happened for and us. it hasn't happened for us. Inception there. But we are excited to recap it because we will be recapping it yes. by the time it already happens on the next episode tomorrow. But today we are talking about something a little different. We're talking about the American League Central. And uh, you and Peter spent 90 minutes talking about the <laughs> American League too East. Long. We're not doing 90 minutes on the American League Central, not only because that was probably too long for the AL East, but also because the AL Central kind of sucks, everybody. So, yeah, like the Guardians are good. The White Sox could be good. The Twins spent money. Are they going to be good? I have no idea. And then the Royals and Tigers, I want to spend a combined four minutes on, and then we can (laughs) head over to the DR in Puerto Rico. Yes. 
Yeah, man. I mean, this division is is just no bueno. But last thing in the World Baseball Classic, we're going to have a ton of video content, mm-hmm. uh, a ton of written content coming out. Be sure to be following our socials. Uh, of course, at J, J, JustBB underscore media. There you I should go. know that. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, we got banned. Yeah, I'll give you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I, I was hung up on the underscore that I forgot. It's like, okay, is it JBB or JustBB? But JustBB underscore media on Twitter. We're going to be putting stuff out there. We're going to be putting stuff out on our personals, which is also in the show notes. And the YouTube. Where, and the YouTube. So our video guy, uh, Will Cohen, the extraordinaire. Yeah. He's going to be helping us shoot some awesome stuff because this really is a party in Miami. Like I I wanted that to be like very clear and I wanted to show everybody that because when I was there I sent you guys a video the first day I went the first day I was able to cover it yeah. and I was like I want everybody to see this. It is a party all around Lone Depot Park of all different Latin American countries, even Puerto Rico after they lost, like celebrating with with the Dominican fans, celebrating with with even fans for Team Israel. Like it's just a, a different kind of environment something i've never seen before and we're gonna make some some videos some like vlog type stuff around it so for those of you that weren't able to see beyond what you see on the tv we're going to be able to kind of show you that and we want to kind of show you what's going on here because it is so special it is so cool and there's just instruments being played while people play baseball like that's just super cool we don't get to see that Uh, i generally speaking i think americans consume sports in a slightly more boring way very yeah slightly yeah i'm I'm being diplomatic (laughs) and and the fans that have been in attendance so far have just been so passionate so fun and it's just something i've never really seen before so i know the players echo the same sentiment so very excited to deliver that but the way we did it with the division last time was peter went from worst to first so if you want to do it that way we can go worst to first from last year which would start us with the Kansas City Royals. I kind of like ripping the Band-Aid off like that. Yes. That, that's kind of awesome. So, yeah, man. I Let's start with Kansas City. We're going to go. Did you guys do lineup, rotation, bullpen? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, let, let's start with the lineup for the Kansas City Royals because that is the lone bright spot of the Kansas City Royals. And even then, like, there are some spots that could use some serious work. So, yeah. uh, we're going off Fangraph's roster resource opening day starting lineup projection. Bobby Witt Jr. leading off at short. MJ Melendez is the two-hitting DH. Sal Perez is the three-hitting catcher. Vinny Pascantino is the cleanup man in the first baseman. Hunter Dozier <laughs> is the five-hitting third baseman. Kyle Isbell in center hitting sixth. Edward Olivares in left batting seventh. Michael Massey, who's having a tremendous spring, <laughs> is the eight-hitting second baseman. And then Nate Eaton as the nine-hitting right fielder with a four-man bench. Uh, Freddie Fermin is the backup catcher. Matt Duffy as a utility infielder. Nicky Lopez, whatever he can provide you. And Fran Mil Reyes, who is a non-roster invitee, yeah. has shown off the power a little bit in spring, but Reyes is a DH, and that's about yes. it. Um, there is some talent here, obviously. I think there's some imbalance here. Yeah. And I want to start at DH, because you've got two of the worst defensive catchers in the game right now. <laughs> Uh, MJ Melendez, while we love him and while we know that he is a great hitter, grades out horribly defensively. Graded out terribly last year. Sal Perez, everybody knows the framing narrative. Um, And then you've got Franmil Reyes, so it's like a three-man fight for DH, although I think Sal's going to catch. So, okay, a couple things to unpack there. Uh, I think it's funny because we could usually say, oh, well, Salvi Perez can kind of show him the ropes. Not on the framing front. No, brutal. And, and I always thought maybe he got like a raw deal from the metrics. But I was watching the WBC game the other day. And, and our own Ben Bellotti, who's a, a catcher by, by trade. Right. Uh, and also is a, a big part of, of what we're doing on the YouTube side. <laughs> but he's like, man, Salvi's not doing them any favors. So I started watching. I'm like, 
dude. Like some of some pitches that were strikes, he was like making them look like balls. Like it was not a great framing display. That said, I know Salvi at 33, not really expecting that to change. Somebody like MJ, he's a hard Ten. worker, yeah. high makeup, like hear nothing but great things about that. I've seen how hard he works in spots too. Like I've seen some videos actually specifically of him working on framing this Good. year. So, I mean, I don't know. We can't predict that, but I at least hope it'll get better. I also think he's an athletic guy that could get better in some outfield spots. Fran yes. Mill is going to clog that DH role. Yes. I'm interested to see where they use MJ because you talked about some of the other positions, and we'll get to them, but I feel like some of the other positions, those names that you mentioned, may not be there in June, and that might be where MJ ends up playing when Salvi is catching. So I hope to God MJ Melendez is in a corner because Kyle Isbell, like, I'm an Isbell fan. This guy is speed and defense. He's not going to provide much offensively. He can provide a teensy bit. I think the Fangraph projection right now is 240 with a slug just under 400. Like, you don't like that no. in, in your lineup every day, but you can live with it. Um, in the corners, Edward Olivares and Nate Eaton, that's got to get better. Yeah. And Melendez immediately solves one of those problems. 100%. Even if he's not a great defender in the outfield... The bat's going to be great. He's not going to be a total liability. I think Worst he's case, he's Andrew Vaughn. Yeah, exactly. But but I think faster and probably just a little bit more well-rounded. Probably better arm out there. I don't know. Vaughn actually threw on the mound. So Vaughn, Vaughn was a pitcher. Yeah, Vaughn just sucked at catching. Yes, <laughs> like, for whatever reason. Just yeah. stiff. But yeah, I mean, if he's that, you're you're fine with that. Yeah. Because MJ, you know, can swing it. Right. Um, so I, I'm not worried about that. I feel like the plan is to plug MJ in one of those spots yeah. uh, when... One of these guys kind of inevitably falters. I mean, I hope Nate, Nate Eaton and uh, Edward Olivar is produced, but odds are one of them or both of them will not produce. They've got some other guys kind of coming up through the pipeline in you know Nick Lofton, who they've moved to the outfield, right. who I, I do think will do well. He, he struggled in triple, but I like his profile. I think he's going to be a, a, a solid player. How about like a Tyler Gentry? Tyler Gentry was spectacular. I think he could be up at some point. Like, they've got some options. JBJ. <laughs> and we didn't even mention Drew Waters. Drew Waters, yeah. Guess what? Oblique. It's year of the oblique. A horrible no, year. Dude, horrible year to be an oblique. Post-60-game COVID <laughs> bullshit is yeah. the era of the oblique. 2021 was the year of the oblique. And then 22 is the year of the oblique. No, this year has been next level. Now 23 is the year of I the oblique. I need an oblique tracker. If anyone listening out there, I've asked for stupid things from our listeners sometimes. We've had some awesome people come through with some stuff. Yeah. I would love to see an oblique counter. If anyone can show us obliques by year, this has to be the all-time oblique. At least pace that we're on right now. Samad Taylor, though, another one. Yeah. He hit a bomb off of Hunter Green the other day. But Taylor, really dynamic. He, he's similar to Whit Merrifield. He's kind of a poor man's Whit Merrifield. Can play the infield. Can play all three outfield spots. Speedy. Sneaky with the power. That's another option. So at least they have other irons that you can throw in the fire. Yeah. But to start the year, it's going to be ugly in that outfield. One more name. Wild card. Nick Prado. What can you get from him? Because obviously like gold glove caliber first baseman, but can play a decent corner outfield. Would you rather have Prado or Nate Eaton? In Absolutely would rather have Nick Prado. Okay. But I almost, I almost wonder if they're going to start him in triple. Did they option him yet? Um, I have no idea. But I, I feel like they start him in triple, let him get going a little bit. But Prado's still a guy that I think it would be silly to give up on, right? Big power, yeah. walks a ton. You talked about the defense. Another high makeup guy. We, we talked, you know, about him on the call up a little bit, and, and we're able to get a little bit of insight on him. But you know, I, I feel like that's a guy that could still figure it out. But we could talk about just 
what they can do offensively. Yeah. And this is the thing that I think really stands out to me is you can pretty much guarantee that these guys that I'm about to name will combine for more than 100 home runs, I think. Like Bobby Wood Jr., MJ Melendez, Salvador Perez, and Vinny Pasquantino. Yes. They're, they're combining for more than 100 home runs. Easy. So this team's going to hit enough to not be the worst team in baseball. This is a low bar, right? That is a very <laughs> low bar. That's the lowest bar. Yes. That they will hit enough to not be a disaster. Yep. But I am curious to see how the rest of this shakes out. And I think it's going to be largely dependent on how many of those aforementioned guys can come up and contribute. What do they get from a Drew Waters? Uh, and what do they get from a Nick Prado? But that's the big question because that could be the worst outfield in Major League Baseball. Yes. And unfortunately, it's a really thin farm. Yeah. Right? So especially in the hitter department. And like pitchers, it's kind of an organizational thing. Although they did just have a changing of the guard with Dayton Moore moving out. Um, so, you know, hopefully pitching is on the up and up there. And we're going to get to pitching here in a brief moment. But, you know, a guy like Hunter Dozier, he's going to have to play third base for them. You have to outsource the third baseman if he doesn't work out because there really isn't much going on in the minor leagues. So, yes, you feel really good about Vinny at first. You feel really good uh, about whatever you run out a- at second base. I think Massey has won the job yes. over Nicky Lopez. There's no question about that. Uh, and then Bobby Witt, he's your answer at shortstop. He's your shortstop. Yes, he was bad at short last year because he was forced to play third half the time. He's going to get that. He's a weird case. I, that's a guy that going through the minor league video and, and tools-wise, he's going to be good. Right. I'm not worried about Bobby Witt's defense. I'm it's, not. It's third base, man. Like Obviously, borderline worst outfield in baseball <laughs> if they do run with the Fangraphs lineup here. Yeah. But we do think that MJ is going to be in the corners. But I, I do you mean, put Nicky Lopez at third? At least he can defend. But like, that's that's no. that's the worst offensive third baseman in Major League Baseball. It's not one, close. One prospect named Michael Garcia. Michael Garcia. I like him. Shortstop. He can swing it a little bit. Maybe they try him at third. Yeah, uh, that could be an option as well. But they've got questions in the outfield, questions at third. So it's going to be interesting to see how that all shakes out for them. Yeah, I, I'm actually excited to see Michael Garcia and whoever is left off the opening day roster uh, on minor league opening day a year later or a day later because Indianapolis opens hosting Omaha for a three game. You might set. see Prado, you might see Garcia, you might see a lot of guys that could end up being options for them pretty pretty soon. Yes, uh, they need options in the starting rotation. It's really bad. If they have maybe the best or maybe the worst outfield in Major League Baseball, uh, they may have the worst starting rotation in Major League baseball wiley vet 39 year old zach granke is probably going to be the opening day starter with jordan lyles brady singer team usa's finest who kind of imploded a little bit yeah uh ryan yarborough topping at 87 88 and uh brad keller filling out the five-man rotation there's nothing to get excited about here except singer yeah i'm 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 excited about zach granke um just because of the narrative (laughs) yeah he's just he's just zach granke I think realistically, you wouldn't. There's no way if I told you over under one and a half players with an ERA sub four, what are you taking? Under in terms of the rotation, singer and that's it. Singer okay. and that's it, right? I, I do an over under one and a half pitchers, starting pitchers with a sub four five ERA. Uh, I, I feel still like maybe under. I I think the only guy that. I feel confident about is Zach Granke to potentially, and I don't feel that confident because you wonder just how much longer can he throw eighty four and and get guys out. Right, Granke might be the only other sub four five ERA guy. He was a three eight six or three six eight last year. The year before that, he was a four one six. He's actually never been above a four five. He is he is remarkable. Aside from two thousand and five, 
I think that is the last time his ERA has been above a 4-5. Wow. 2005. So this is a guy that I, I just want people to appreciate him because, like, this rotation is going to suck. And he might be the only other guy that's going to give them quality starts at 89 miles an hour, uh, just speeding you up, slowing you down, and just outclassing guys. That's it. Like that, They've got two guys that I think you can really count on. Jordan Lyles is f- a fine, fine five. Fine five, but he's the two. Yeah. yeah or he's the is three. He, he's the three. He's the three. And then Ryan Yarborough is... Every underlying metric hates him. Um, the Rays obviously didn't feel like the need him. to retain him. Yeah. And he had a 4-5 last year. So, And that was partly out of the bullpen. So this is a situation where... For this rotation to be decent, it's going to have to be Daniel Lynch. It's going to have to be some of these prospects somehow figuring it out. And so, I think we've kind of become very, very skeptical in the likelihood of Daniel Lynch, Jonathan Heasley, Chris Bubich, any of those guys being consistent contributors for them in the rotation, and even a Jackson Coar in there as well. This is the last opportunity for Lynch, Bubich, and Coar, yep. which stinks because we were talking about a, a front four of Singer, Lynch, Bubich, Coar, and now one of them has worked to this point, and we're running out of opportunities for the other three to work. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think those are the three that I'm going to see that first weekend in Indianapolis. Lynch, Bubich, and Kowar. And I will report back and I'm going to be very critical because you need to hold them to a major league standard. Otherwise, you, you got to look elsewhere. You like Alec Marsh. I know you do. Yeah. He's yet to turn 25. Um, he, he's got some juice in that arm. I wonder how they're going to use him. He's been injury riddled. Yeah. Um, I, I think he's got a special ability just with the slider and the fastball to, to be a nasty reliever, but that'll kind of lead us into the bullpen. I think Marsh helps, but this is a team that may be better off almost having that opener <laughs> going yeah. going two innings and then piecing it together with the bullpen and maybe having Yarborough more as a piggyback uh, to, to go through the middle innings than toss it back over to the bullpen. Like They may have to get creative here to stay competitive. I do like Marsh a lot in terms of the stuff, uh, and, and hopefully if he stays healthy, I think that's a, a very talented arm for them. The bullpen's not terrible. It's not. They add Araldis Chapman, <clears throat> and like that's the name with the most intrigue. I think Amir Garrett has the second most intrigue in there. And then Josh Stalmont threw 102 his first year in Major League Baseball, so that name probably has some intrigue as well. Barlow was great last year. That's the thing, man. Scott Barlow and Dylan Coleman might be their two best arms mm-hmm. in the bullpen, and, and those might be four and five in terms of notoriety outside of Kansas yeah. City. Another guy, Carlos Hernandez, big guy, throws hard. Um, I, I think that they can piece together the bullpen. Like I don't think we're looking at this Royals bullpen as atrocious worst in baseball. No, no, no. I think we're looking at some other units as atrocious worst in baseball. Yeah, Carlos Hernandez is interesting too. He showed some flashes, and and I'm he was bad last year, solid in 2021. And I'm I'm very interested to see how they use him because they use him a little bit as a starter, a little bit as a reliever. He might be a guy that ends up making some spot starts too for them. So. They've got a, <clears throat> a lot of just see what you can get from them kind of guys. And if one or two of them can impress and exceed expectations, I think they feel a lot better. I do feel okay about the bullpen, though, with Barlow, Coleman. Chapman can still be a fine seventh-inning yeah. guy. I think what we were critical of Chapman as the Yankees' closer. He's not 93. He's no, not 93. Yeah. He's, he's not 92. He's still 97 seven. to 98. Exactly. Exactly. And then you talked about Stalmont. Like, I, I think this bullpen is going to be fine. I think it could be a league-average bullpen. But league average isn't going to cut it out of the bullpen. Peter and I were talking about some of the more questionable rotations in the AL East. 
they have a really good bullpen to hedge it, even like the Blue Jays on days four and five where you have Barrios or Kikuchi pitching, at least you know you have a really good bullpen that can shorten those starts. Yeah. Same thing with, with, with some of these other teams, but I don't feel that way. I don't think the Royals' bullpen is that good, but I don't think it'll be a detriment. They were fifth last year, I think fourth, because I think the team that finished fourth last year will finish fifth, even though we are expecting some improvements. I'm talking about the Detroit Tigers <laughs> right now. And the Tigers... Their opening day lineup will probably look like this. Riley, Riley Green leading off in center. Nick Maton hitting second and batting, uh, or hitting second, playing third. Javi Baez at short. Uh, Austin Meadows in right. Jonathan Scope is the five hitting second baseman. Kerry Carpenter is the DH. Spencer Torkelson, bounce back candidate uh, at first. Akil Badu in left. Jake Rogers catching the four man bench of Eric Haas. Uh, Miguel Cabrera on the um, retirement tour, Zach Short, and Matt Vierling. Before we dive into the lineup, that Gregory Soto deal, I think, worked out really well for the Tigers. They needed it. They really needed it. I mean, what is Gregory Soto going to do for you as a reliever? You Nothing. know, as, as a on volatile... a team that's not going to compete. Yeah, a volatile setup man. I know he was their closer, but ultimately, once they are more competitive, that is not your closer. Uh I didn't hate the pickup for the Phillies, just another arm in the bullpen that's capable of closing. But for, for the, the Tigers, they needed more bats. And both Veerling, Veerling hits the ball hard and yes. plays great defense. Like, there's still a scenario where that 26-year-old figures something out. If he doesn't, he's still a great bench option fourth outfielder. Uh, it's kind of similar with Maton. He hits the ball hard. He's kind of intriguing. Again, if it doesn't quite work out for him, another 26-year-old, he is a good bench option. So to turn one guy in the bullpen into two solid bench options who could be regulars, I think that's absolutely worth it for where this Tigers team is at. I actually think this Tigers team is, is, is better than you give them credit for. And, and the reason why is a lot of anticipation of bounce back. Yeah. And you just went through the lineup. I'm, I'm the most confident. I'll like kind of rank it. I'm the most confident in Riley Green bouncing back. Yes. I'm fairly confident in Spencer Torkelson bouncing back. Yes. I do believe in Austin Meadows, who's dealing with a lot of other things off the field that I yeah. I think he's going to get himself kind of back into the flow of things. I, I don't know what to expect from Javi Baez. He but can't be very, worse. He can't be worse. And I think I'm I'm in on Kerry Carpenter. Yeah. And so and then Akil Badu is in the department of can't be worse. Can't be worse. So. I think this offense could be decent. They're moving the walls in. That's going to help as well. Yeah. I think that's going to help just give confidence to these young hitters too, right? I mean, Torkelson had some of the worst batted ball luck in baseball. Riley Green, if I showed you the spray charts, how many deep flyouts he Dude. had to left and right center. Like, just knowing as a hitter that more of those will turn into home runs instead of flyouts. I just I feel like this is going to be a good year for some of these guys offensively. Also, I think Jonathan Scope... I. Feel like can't be worse offensively than he, he was last he year. Can't be worse. I saw Tigers. Oh my god, he had a 57 WRC plus. It can't be worse either. Yeah, I, I saw Tigers Twitter clamoring for a month audition for Scope this year. Like if he sucks after a month, you've got a couple options in the minor leagues. And Andre Lipsius, who like is a is a slightly above average hitter, or Ryan Kreidler, who had some prospect injury. Yeah, was kind of dealing with some injury here and there. But those guys, like if Scope is a 60 WRC plus again. Uh, you immediately improve with Lipsius. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, man, I, I think there are worse outfields in Major League Baseball. I think they are a top 25 outfield <laughs> in Major League Baseball with, with Badu slash Veerling, uh, with Green in center, and with Austin Meadows in right. And you throw Carpenter into that. I, I yeah. really think—so Carpenter was that, that 
triple A guy that double triple A guy that just figured it out last year. He raked. I mean, he was the Christian Encarnacion strand of the upper minors. Yes. And I think some people may say, oh, well, how will that translate to the big league level? I really think it will. I yeah. really do. I think he's going to be an offensive force for them. I wouldn't be surprised if he is one of their best hitters this coming season. I wouldn't be surprised if it goes green carpenter Torkelson. Not at all. Not at all. Um, so I think there's enough irons in the fire of guys that have the upside of being a well above average hitter. Yeah. That I think this offense is going to be good enough. Um, I, Javi Baez is obviously the big X factor here, right? right? What if they get close to what these projections are for? Uh, these projections are actually terrible. If they can get something better than these projections for Javi Baez, they'll be in good shape. Uh, I, I am interested to see. It just seems like for him, it's like. Uh, almost a matter of effort and focus because you see him in this WBC, he looks locked in and he looks great. He's El Mago. Yeah, yeah, he's El Mago again. And then he goes back to, to the Tigers and they're playing meaningless baseball in his eyes, I assume, and it, it just looks terrible. So right. that that's the big X factor there. Right. Um, does Miguel Cabrera slug better than 317 in his final year? Yes. Has to. Has to. God, I... I hope he goes out. I don't expect a Pujols scenario here. No, no, no. But I hope he. I hope he goes out with some some respect. Uh, that's my all time favorite player. You know, he's, yeah. It's just it's always tough watching them slow down like that. Yeah. Uh, one of the few Florida Marlins left. Mm-hmm. So you know, I it's it's. Uh, Are there any other Florida Marlins? Mike Stanton, Giancarlo, <laughs> Giancarlo yeah, Stanton. There's probably a couple more, um, but not many. I think Stanton will probably be the last one. That makes sense. Which is crazy to think about. Damn. Um, all right, rotation. Eduardo Rodriguez, Matthew Boyd, who they just re-signed. Uh, Michael Lorenzen, who they signed to a free agent deal. Hey, he can also hop in the outfield, <laughs> uh, according to Michael He wants Lorenzen. to. He really yeah. wants to. Uh, Matt Manning, who has just looked brutal in spring training. And then Spencer Turnbull as the five. This is without Casey Mize, who is going to miss the entirety of this year with Tommy John. Uh, and this is without... Tarek Skubal, who had flexor tendon surgery last August, so he's probably missing the entirety of this year. Is he well. missing the whole? Did they it's, say that? I think so. It's so hard to keep up with all these injury timelines. Which I is mean, so, are, here's the thing: there are so many fucking injuries, especially arms with pitchers. And if it's not Tommy John, which I can automatically just count eight, 16, yeah, 18, 18 months ago, yeah. like flexor surgery, I don't even know what that is. Like, I think he might come back at some point this year, but you you can't really bake him into this rotation, no. right? Because you don't know what you're going to get from him, and they're going to take their sweet time with him because there's this no is, need. He's their best arm, right? He's their best arm. I will say, Erod has looked spectacular yes. this spring training, and I know that we always talk about taking spring training stats with a grain of salt. This is just looking at a guy pitch with confidence and attack hitters, and the stuff looks good. Yeah. Like, I do believe that all of the extracurricular stuff that he had going on last year that limited him to, what was it, just 91 innings? He looks fresh. And we know that can be a head fuck. Yes, 100%. 100%. And I think he looks fresh. Yeah. Like, he looks, he looks like he threw 91 innings last year. Yeah. So... I actually think he's going to bounce back this year. I really do. Because remember what we were saying about him? He over or underperformed all of the advanced metrics pitching in Fenway Park, right? Yes. The the three three two FIP, the four seven four ERA, and we're like, oh my gosh, he goes to Comerica, he's going to be great. He's but so young, yeah. Yeah, they had all the things going on, right? And he still had a four oh five. It wasn't like he was bad. No. I know they're moving the walls in. It will still be better than pitching in Fenway, which is number two in Park Factor, Correct. right? In terms of most hitter friendly ballparks. Yes. I think he's going to be a really solid pitcher for them this year. That helps a ton, but who else do you feel good about? 
Uh, I wish I could say Manning, but this is the last chance for Matt Manning. He looked good in points last year. But then, like, you see his battery mate setting up low and away, and then he hits Turner in the face yeah. with a fastball. Yeah, no, I know. Like, that's not a recipe for success at all. And I have no idea if that specific, you know, pitch is going to live with Matt Manning. But what I can say is that guy, when he's not right, it's clear to everybody mm-hmm. in the ballpark. And it's clear to everybody watching at home. There are guys that can overcome not having, like, really any pitch. If they say, like, yeah, I wasn't feeling it today— a lot of fans would just be like, no, nah, he looked fine to me. Yeah. Not Matt Manning. Like, that guy, he kind of wears the struggles yeah. all the time, and, and that's a really concerning thing, yeah. I think, going into his final year of, of having the opportunity to prove something. Yeah, 100%. And then you got two guys in Boyd and Lorenzen that were relievers mostly, right? I mean, Boyd... I was I was drinking the Michael Lorenzen Kool Aid. I was I was kind of in on it too. And like two months into the season last year, when the Angels were like one of the best teams in baseball, I was yeah. like, Lorenzen looks gas, and then he didn't look gas no. at the end. So. No, not at all. And 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 that's the thing is that's a guy that kind of swing manish. I think Boyd kind of swing manish. I think one of those guys maybe proves that they can stick as a starter. One of them doesn't. The the guy that I really like here. And we'll see. Like this is this is a big roll of the dice. Is Mason Angler? Their, yes. Their Rule Five draft pick from the Texas Rangers. This is going to be a big test for him as a guy that was left unprotected, not because he isn't good. Because I think that the Texas Rangers felt like nobody was taking a guy that only threw 15 innings above high A. But this is a dude with great stuff, good command, and I think is continuing to look good in spring training. Angler might be the guy that can anchor the back after back end of that rotation. If you're going to get a four ZRA from somebody, I'd yep. rather it be Angler than Boyd and let Angler continue to grow and mature. I loved that pick for a team that still has their top pitching prospects a little ways away. You know, Wilmer Flores, Ty Madden, they probably won't be up this year, yeah. maybe at the end of the year. Pick up an Angler, say sink or swim, see how it goes. But worst case, if he if he sinks. I know that the Rangers will buy him back for 50k. For sure, it's a, it's worth a fifty thousand dollar roll of the dice. I think so. Um, and and we haven't even mentioned Bo Brisky or Reese Olson that can like fill spots at the back if need be. Um, I don't need to spend any time on this bullpen. Worst bullpen in baseball. Alex Lang is the closer who like was fine last year. Will probably be fine this year. But then Jason Foley, Jose Cisnero, Will Vest, Tyler Alexander, Garrett Hill, Jason Shreve, yeah. Barf, dude. Did any of them have? I think a couple. Of, there's a couple guys that had sneaky years. Last but year. like, do you place stock in any guy being great in this bullpen? Like, no. I think on paper this is the worst bullpen in baseball. Is it? Yeah. Well, how did Jason Foley do last year? No, I mean, yeah, this is not a good bullpen. It's not a good. This bullpen. is not a good bullpen. Moving on. Yeah. Right. Um. All right. Minnesota is three. They are likely projected three. They've got an interesting lineup, man. I mean, Christian Vasquez will be the catcher with Jeffers as his DH. We're likely looking at Kirilov at first, Jorge Polanco at second, Carlos Correa, they finished third. They kind of won the Correa sweepstakes at short. Uh, Jose Miranda at third, who we think is going to be great, even in his sophomore year. In the outfield from left to right, uh, Gallo, Buxton, and Max Kepler with Michael A. Taylor available as well. And then you've got Nick Gordon, Kyle Farmer, and Donovan Solano rounding out the bench with Jeffers. Lineup is one that can perform well on a given night. 
They can also strike out 20 times this, on a given night. This is going to be a lineup that's going to disappear some nights. Yeah. 100%, I agree. But they're going to torch some teams. Yes. Like, if they smell blood in the water with Matt Manning, they're putting up 14 runs. Correct. Like, that. that's what this team can do. I, I like... I like that some of their younger hitters hedge some of the issues. Like Miranda really isn't a strikeout guy. No. Like and, and even a Kirilov when he's right, when he's healthy and his wrist isn't bothering him, that's not a strikeout guy either. Uh, those guys are going to be big for them because you look at the rest of that lineup, like there's there's some swing and miss, right? There's a lot of swing and miss there. I, it's it's fascinating cuz I'm very curious to see how they are going to maneuver this team because yeah. You have Royce Lewis, who should be back in like June, June, May or June. which is pretty early, man. And, and Royce Lewis looked the freaking part, yep. like in every way. So where does he fit in here? Uh, and then you know you, you got all of these outfielders in the mix. We're not even talking about Trevor Larnick, Matt Walner, both guys that have shown a lot in in right. AAA that are kind of knocking on the door. I think those guys are waiting if Joey Gallo struggles. Yes. But the Twins paid Joey Gallo a lot of money. He's going to get, you know, relatively speaking, right? He, he didn't, he's not playing for million. free. Yeah. $11 million bucks. Like, that's a lot of money. He's going to get every shot. Yes. He's, it's not going to be like an Eric Hosmer if he stinks through the first month we DFA him. Well, and Kepler is going to get every shot, too. Kepler's good. I, I, I do good. think Kepler's going to be fine yeah. this year. Yeah. But my question is, they, they go out and get Michael A. Taylor. I like that move to kind of hedge Buxton. You can DH Buxton more often. You can get him out of center a little bit more. And I don't think anybody else on this roster was really capable of playing center at a high level other than Nick Gordon because Royce is not going to play out there anymore after he tore his ACL. Right. So I like the pickup of Michael A. Taylor. They gave up a couple of decent, you know, relief type options in the minors. Uh, but I don't. How do you see this outfield shaking out come July? Man, um, actually, nay, August. I guess as is, like Gallo in left, Buxton in center, and Kepler in right. Like, I guess as is. I think that Nick Gordon's going to get a lot of run in the outfield. I think Nick I Gordon's a too. good ball player. Um, yeah, like I don't think Larnick or Walner really factor in. I think Walner strikes out all the time. He does. And like that's going to be incredibly frustrating. Um, that he's not somebody. You know, I don't. I don't typically say that I'm not high on like a certain prospect because I don't have like the access to to data like a lot of prospect people do. But just watching Matt Walner for the last couple of years at each stop that I've seen him, I don't really like it. There's a lot of power, but like I can see the Joey Bart type K rate if he like yeah. can't see the ball for a month. Well, and and Larnick is a similar profile with better defense. He's a, actually a good defender. People. Yeah. Well, like, Glarnick is kind of Gallo light, which right. is the interesting thing. But I think that the Twins signing of Gallo was somewhat of a tip of their hand of how how much doubt maybe they have around Walner and Larnick. So yes. Gallo, I think you got to assume is going to be the guy. Yes, in a corner pretty much all year, and you got you're not you're not taking him out of the outfield because his defense is a big part of what you're paying for. Yes, he's a solid defender, and I'm buying Kepler stock. I, I am. I'm in on Kepler. And I think that's another good defender. So where's the space? Those you are the two I mean? corners. Those are the two corners. So Buxton. Buxton's like, part-time in center. I'm, they're going to manage his games. So Buxton and Taylor. Timeshare. That's the thing. I think that's the area where if Taylor's not performing, maybe you go to another guy. Maybe you go to a Nick Gordon. Yeah. I just don't understand where the at-bats come for all of these guys. It's a good problem to have, right? right. Because. I, I think Polanco needs to be in the lineup just about every day. I think Miranda needs to be in the lineup just about every day. If Kirilov is healthy, 
he is a star, I think, potential hitter. Like, I really do think he is a, a very, very, very good offensive piece. 25 years old. Look at what he did in AAA last year. Like, it, it, it is really a matter of health for me, I, I think, at this point. Like, I'm pretty sure his AAA numbers were like 1,200 OPS type stuff when they sent him down there. Kirilov, 1,100 in 35 games. 10 homers in 35 games. Like, this guy rakes. It's yep. really about health. He kept trying to play through all of these, these issues. But where do you find the space for Lewis? Where do you find the space for these other guys? It, it, do you make a trade? Okay, so here's what I was going to say. Like, we're talking about space in the outfield. I'm looking at the infield. Kyle Farmer and Donovan Solano are, are good guys to have that are, like, utility infielders. Yeah. So you are four deep already on the major league roster with Correa, Polanco, Farmer, and Solano. What are you going to do with Royce Lewis when he comes back? And what are you going to do with Edouard Julien, who I know that we both love, yeah. right? Like, Polanco's the second baseman. Where does Julien play when he's ready? Because, like, he's going to be ready a month into the season. DH. So that's the thing. So yeah. with the days that Buxton plays, this team is a puzzle. The days that Buxton plays center, Michael A. Taylor ain't in the lineup. Right. Because his, his value is 100% from the glove and that one time a year that he hits a ball 480 and you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, that's what Michael A. Taylor is. So when Buxton's playing center, which is hopefully for 80 games or more. Damn. That's going to be a day where you can DH somebody else. And now you can see why the Twins trade of Arias was so brilliant. They turned a, a surplus into a starting pitcher that could be one of their best arms, if not their best arm. Yeah. So th- that's my last, the last thing I'll say on them is like, on this lineup is it's a good problem to have. Yeah. I think they've got trade capital still because Julian's a guy that I think is legitimately going to give them what they were getting from Arias in a different form, which mm-hmm. is just a ton of offense and not a lot of defense, but at least he can play second, can play first in DH. I'm very interested to see how they approach the the return of Lewis, uh, the imminent you know debut of, of Edouard Julian. And I think it's going to be very fascinating to see how they, how they handle this all because they've got a lot of options and they didn't really trade from from the surplus aside from that one move. No. So it should be very, very interesting. I could see them, you know, kind of dumping a farmer or Solano for a low-level prospect or something like that later on. But still, when Lewis is back, if Julian's ever up, those are guys you want to see playing almost every day. Right. So I just don't know how this shakes out. Again, great problem to have. This lineup has a ton of depth, a ton of backup options. And they should be in a good spot, which is what you want when you have an injury-prone Buxton, uh, Correa with obviously health questions, mm-hmm. um, and Gallo with with some health questions and, and consistency, consistency questions, and Kirilov with some health questions. Have a shit ton of guys that could plug in and start. I, I like that approach. Yeah, 100%. Um, all right, rotation. They've got a bunch of twos and threes. I'd say a bunch of threes. A bunch yeah. of threes. Like Pablo Lopez is probably the two, right? The, the two is the one for them. And then a whole bunch of threes. So Pablo Lopez, Sonny Gray, Joe Ryan, Tyler Malley, Kenta Maeda waiting in the wings. Uh, of note, you've got Louis Varland, Simeon Woods-Richardson, Bailey Ober, who's healthy again. Uh, I, I mean, yes, they're deep. But are they good enough to win a division? And my initial answer is no. I have faith in Pablo. I think Pablo Lopez is going to be the opening day starter for them. I think we could see a, a mid-three ZRA from Pablo. I think we can see a mid-three ZRA from Joe Ryan. How about Sonny Gray, too? But I don't think you're going to get the low threes, high twos guy in here. So here's the thing. We talked about some rotations. And this is like an interesting like philosophical approach, I guess. 
you, we had some rotations where the one-two punch is great. And then the three, three is questionable. Four, five is and then four-five sucks. Yeah. What would you rather have? If you have a good offense, and this is a going to be a good offense, right? If you have a good offense, you could feasibly have multiple times where you go through the rotation this year and you get five straight quality starts. I think like, I wouldn't be surprised if they got five straight. Kenta Maeda was great. Until he got hurt. Like, yeah. This is a guy that could be a, a great option for them. And, and Mally's hopefully stays healthy and, and can be solid. Like They could get five guys that are in the threes with their ERA. Albeit it's mid threes. But I could see all of these guys being sub four. That's Yeah, you got nobody that's sub three. But you got nobody that's above four. I, what, what's, the, uh, what's the balance there? I think there's a value to having that ace that can go out there and win you a ball game every time you're scuffling. Yeah. And that's like that's something I saw with the Marlins last year. No matter how bad things were, they lose four in a row. Sandy's pitching today. We got a shot. Right. They don't have that guy that it's like, no matter how bad it's going, we got a shot. But I do think that Pablo and Sonny and even Joe Ryan can give you those flashes of, a, of the two. Mm-hmm. Give you those flashes of lights out. I mean, Pablo, we saw for the first two months of the season mm-hmm. last year. And he's tweaking his pitch usage a little bit, so I think it's going to be interesting. I think the Twins are, are working with him on some stuff there cool. uh, with the breaking ball getting a little bit more involved, so it's cool. not just fastball changeup. Yeah, man, I, I think that this rotation gives them a chance to win every night, and that is a really unique thing to have because, you know, we'll talk about the Guardians here in a minute, but, I mean, we, we talk about Bieber and McKenzie at the top of that, but yeah. then you got Savali and Plesak as the 4-5, and five, and you don't feel good if the offense isn't good. No. Um, now, this offense, we mentioned, they are going to be as black and white as you could possibly find, where w- when they're clicking, you are going to be sky-high confident in this team every time because you're running out of three yeah. that'll give you a chance for a quality start, like you're saying, will give you a chance to to get a win as a starting pitcher, uh, and you can win a game 5-3. Yeah. But if this offense is striking out all the time and you think they're only going to put up one or two runs— you don't feel really no, confident no. any night. No, and that's the interesting, you know, I think conundrum there or, or balance it. And, and it's it's a interest. It's going to be fun to see how they how it plays out because they're a unique, almost social experiment. Yeah. Like they are a very unique experiment in the, in the baseball scheme because it's not traditionally. The they're going to answer the question: Does this work? Does this work? And you know what? If you can't get an ace, and you, they, you don't, they don't just grow on trees. They, I think, have done a really good job of addressing. The rotation, which we talked about it a year ago, looked like a disaster at points, into a rotation that, you know, you're not losing sleep over. You feel pretty decent about it. Chris Paddock should be back at some point at the end of the year. Yeah, Ty John in May. I like Ober as a depth arm. I think that's a really reliable guy that could spot start. You know I love Simeon Woods-Richardson, And Woods-Richardson should be a fine option. Josh Winder, also an an intriguing arm. They've they've got some guys. So And Louis Varlin spot started and looked pretty good last year. So they've got a ton of depth there. I think at the very least... They're going to be a you know 15th in baseball in ERA yeah. and just chill there. But I think they'll be better than that. And then the bullpen's an interesting conversation because you know it was kind of just spearheaded by John Duran being one of the best relievers in baseball. Yeah. But they go get a Jorge Lopez, who I know wasn't good for them, but I still think is going to be good. He was great with Baltimore. And then I, I saw some video. I saw I think Griffin Jacks recently was a, a social media. Throwing gas. Oh, nice. Guy. Nice. So, in on that. Yeah. I'm in on that as hey, a reliever, not in Mitch, on that as a starter. You see Mitch Keller, no, he, opening day starter for the Pirates? Yes. Do you think that was because of the videos? It uh, has to be. <laughs> has to be. Really exciting, though. Um, bullpen's kind of good. Um, like, relatively speaking, I don't think it's bad. So, the way that Peter and I put it earlier this week when we were talking top 10 bullpens was it is as top heavy a bullpen as you're going to find. 
with Lopez and Durant. Like, that is a great eighth and ninth inning thing to have. Yeah. And any of these starters can go seven innings on any given night, which is yeah. great. It, like, if you go Tyler Malley to Duran to Lopez or to Lopez to Duran, you feel excellent about that. And you do feel good about Jax. And I like I think I'm a little bit higher on Emilio Pagan than than Peter was. But again, like we we had that come to Jesus moment where we were like, we just spent five minutes talking about Emilio Pagan. Like, what are we doing on this podcast? Yeah. Um yeah, man, I, I think that like Thielbar, Jax, Pagan, Alcala, like they can give you decent outings, but I also feel like they're just a whole bunch of Jorge Ruiz's or uh, Jose Ruiz's. Jose sorry. Ruiz. Uh, yeah. So one other name to watch, Yanni Enriquez, or Ronnie Enriquez. You probably Does saw he throw him. gas? He yeah. throws fuzz. Yeah. And, and it's it's got crazy movement. Uh, apparently he's dealing with posterior elbow soreness. Who isn't? Yeah. Um, but that's another arm. I've got, I, I, That's one that... Wait. Posterior elbow soreness and anterior inside, anterior front, posterior back. I, uh, I have no idea. The, the, Let's get a doc on. But <laughs> I will say, like that's a guy that I've specifically gotten texts on and just been like, this guy's disgusting. Like from players that have faced him. Cool. Um, so that's one that like watch out for. He's twenty two and was 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 striking guys out in bunches at times in AAA. So cool. th- this team, I, I I like the Twins this year. I really do. I think they're going to find a way. They're just so deep. They have so many options. They have trade capital, even though their system's not the best. Because of all the depth that they have, I think they're in a really, really good spot going into the season in a weak division. Yeah, 100%. All right, let's go to the Chicago White Sox. Um, yes, Mighty Grandal going to be the catcher. Sebi Zavala, as of right now, is, is the backup catcher. Although I do think that they have some solid options uh, waiting in the minor, minor leagues, notably Carlos Perez, who just does not strike out. Uh, Andrew Vaughn at first, finally. Thank God. Thank God. Uh, Elvis Andrews will be the second baseman after coming back on a one-year deal. Tim Anderson at short, who's had a great WBC. Yoan Moncada, who's trying to find it at third. Outfield left to right is going to be the new $75 million man, Andrew Benintendi. Luis Robert in center. Luis Robert Jr., I should say. Yeah. Uh, and then it looks like probably Oscar Colas. Uh, it's either going to be Colas or Sheets. Anything to get Eloy Jimenez into the DH spot. Like, yeah. Do not stand in a corner, Eloy Jimenez. But... Yeah, right field will either be Colas or Sheets. Jake Berger's had a nice spring. I think he's going to be on the bench on opening day. Larry Garcia is an option. Victor Reyes is another option. Uh, the bench is not good. The lineup, we can still dream on, I think. And, like, yes, that's the demise of White Sox fans. Yeah. Dreaming on this White Sox lineup, hoping that they stay healthy. If they do stay healthy, this is one of the better lineups in the American League. This has got to be the last year we, we try this shit, yes, right? Yes, This is the last Absolutely. year we, we, we try this. You had a World Series ticket on them in 21. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... This has got to be the last year we try it. I think so. But I will say, so I was pro let Colas marinate in AAA, right? He played seven games in AAA last year. Yeah. That said, and, and, and I think, you know, usually I'm not looking too much at spring training. In his case, you got to look at what he's doing in spring training because he's not chasing. No, he's winning a job. He's not chasing, he's not striking out, and he's driving the baseball. Colas in the minor leagues last year, which by the way he lit on fire, was I'm getting my A swing off when it's 2-0 in the count, I'm getting my A swing off when it's 0-2 in the count. He didn't give a shit in that in that respect, which why would you? You're hitting 300 and crushing home runs. Right. But it, it, it led to not a lot of walks, and it led to high chase rates, which you know are going to raise some red flags. Yeah. But now we see him trying to win a job. And I see a different hitter. I see a more calculated hitter. I see a guy that's trying to prove that he is a big league bat. So I ask you, do you think that's just an increased level of give a shit from him? 
I think it's it's more of I have to be more calculated to have success. Because in the minors, dude, this guy hit 370 against fastballs. Yeah. He probably felt like he could hit whatever. He hit 360 against lefties. It didn't matter. Basically, the only thing that was giving him trouble was the curveball. And yeah. nobody in the minors was spotting that. So yeah. he was aggressive. He swung at every fastball he saw, and he had success with it. That said, he's not going to be able to have that success at the big league level. And I think he realized that he's probably a smarter guy than, than, than maybe people are giving him credit for. Because clearly, he figured that out. Yeah. So my thing with Colossus is... The upside is so much more immense than Sheets for this season and beyond that if Colos is crushing fastballs and crushing hangers, he's going to be a better defender out there, you might as well try it because this is a White Sox team that has to be competitive this year. And with what Colos just showed us in spring training, I think he had to do this. He had to be near perfect for me to feel this way, and he's been near perfect. I'm in on Colos in right field. I think he's going to give you better defense. I think he's got way more offensive upside. And, and I think the White Sox need to. I mean, this this lineup is has been a perpetual gamble. Yep. Lean all into the gamble. Go all upside. Coloss could hit you 30 home runs this year if you, it works out. You said this is the last year that we do this. Like, why not put your best foot forward yep. in the last year that we do this? And if we've learned anything from the Gavin Sheets experience, White Sox fans, it's that that is probably not the best foot forward. No. So Coloss being the best foot forward is the way to do it. Starting rotation, Dylan sees second in AL Cy Young voting. He will be the ace. Lance Lynn looked really good in the World Baseball Classic. He will be the two. Michael Kopech looked great in his first spring training outing. He went three perfect, uh, including touching 98 with his heater. Um, Lucas Giolito, he's loaded. He is a loaded thing. And then Mike Clevenger is also just a very loaded conversation. Davis Martin as the sixth. I love Davis Martin as a six. I love Davis Martin Davis as a Martin's guy. good. I, I love the Charlotte to O'Hare flight being <laughs> nicknamed the Davis Martin flight for yeah. this year. Everybody's got that flight. Like Danny Mendick, that was his flight for yeah. two years, and now it's Davis Martin's. He's going to start every other game in Chicago, every other game in Charlotte. Um, I, I wish that Clevenger was not on this roster and Martin was just the five and we figure it out uh, at, at the deadline, but um, pff, Clevenger's on the roster. He's going to pitch every fifth day. Got to be okay with it, White Sox fans. Yeah. Cease, Lynn, Kopech, Giolito can be a lot worse than that. It's not bad. It's really, I think a lot of it is on what you're going to get from Kopech. Is it 98 mile hour Kopech that we talked about recently? And then Lance Lynn. I, I thought he looked spectacular in that WBC game. Yes, it's a WBC game. And yes, he was pitching against, what was it? Uh, Canada? Was it Was it Canada? Yeah, it was Canada. It was Canada. But his fastball was, was sitting 93. Yeah. Which is up from his average from last season. And you know you're getting strikes from Lance strikes. Lynn. So, I mean, Lind only needs to be a three or four, I think. You know, Cease is going to be one of the best pitchers in baseball. I think that's very clear. Yes. I think even Kopech, I feel good about him at least being a back in the rotation guy. Giolito, is he going to get blasted? Dude, I don't. I haven't liked Giolito. And Clevenger might get blasted. I, I hope Clevenger gets blasted. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, Giolito, here's the thing, man. He, he's going to turn 29 this year. Um, last year, he was a 4-9 ERA in 161 innings. He was a 3-5 the year before that. And even then, the 3-5 felt like it was better than what you watched. Yeah. Last year was brutal. Yeah, that was, was a terrible experience watching watch. Giolito throw. And there were days where it was T-ball. I pray that there are no longer the T-ball days of Giolito. <laughs> but the thing is... The fastball's not very good. If he leaves the changeup middle-middle as often as he does, 
and the fastball is still this bad, and you don't really have a good secondary offering in a, in a breaking pitch, uh, I think that there's a chance that some outings turn into T-ball. He's got to be perfect. Him. He's got to be perfect. And, and he has not been perfect. And this was a guy that was like near the top of the walk leaderboards in minor league baseball when he was coming up. Yes, he had that prospect pedigree, but like he always didn't really know how to throw strikes. But so, the stuff was always kind of there. But the stuff was always there. The shoulder, I feel like the shoulder's just not quite been right for him. Right, so now like the stuff isn't what it once was, and you're asking a guy to be perfect when he came up not having to be perfect at any point. Like you're just asking him to be an entirely different pitcher than one that he was four years ago. So who's the two here? I think Lynn's the two. So here's the thing is I'm I'm worried that you know Clevenger or Kopech or Giolito will be hurt or struggle. That means Davis Martin's plugging in. And, and, I'm, and I'm, yeah, but I'm then okay who else do you have? That. Who do you have beyond beyond Davis Martin? I guess like AJ Alexi. You. So like that, I'd like to see one more arm in the fold here. I know people like Sean Burke, although I know okay. nothing about yeah, Sean Burke, Burke. Burke is actually solid. Burke is solid. And then the bullpen, though, the thing is, is even without Liam Hendricks, who I still think will pitch this year. I, I, again, that's it's really hard to to predict, but I just believe Liam Hendricks yeah. is going to will his way to the mound. I mean, me too. And Crochet looks like he'll be back by the All-Star break. And I hope this starting oh pitcher experience is over with Crochet. Like, that guy's a bullpen No, arm. he's a bullpen arm. But, but if Crochet and Hendricks are in this bullpen... One of the best bullpens in baseball. It's really good. And I love Nick Avila, their Rule 5 pick. Yeah. His stuff is crazy. Yeah. It's nasty. If he can if he can relatively command it, he's going to be a problem. So bullpen hedges some of the rotation concern. And the rotation has upside if these guys can reach their potential and, and kind of turn back the clock a little bit. Um, it's a good team. It's just a lot of volatility. I, I think the lineup, the lineup dictates how far this team goes. Like... If Luis Roberts on the field, if Eloy Jimenez is on the field, if Tim Anderson is on the field, this team can be really good. You think they can piece the rotation together enough? I think so, because I think the, the offense can good. be that good, right? Like Tim Anderson, I think since the start of 2020 or maybe 2019, leads Major League Baseball in batting average. Like he is the best batting yeah. average guy in baseball. Totally. So I, I think that Tim is as good a leadoff guy as you can possibly find. I think Luis Robert, like, Everybody knows the conversation around Luis Robert. I think Eloy Jimenez is the one that goes under the radar because if this guy does play 150 games as a DH, 40 nukes. He had 144 WRC plus last year. Yeah, like he is 40 to 45 homers if yeah. he plays 150 games. And then the bullpen of Graveman, great last year. Bummer, strong. Bummer's Joe an Kelly. awesome ground ball. Joe Kelly's a talented arm. Uh, Reynaldo Lopez is really settled in as a reliever after you know kind of being that failed starter. Deekman, the big, big... Uh, acquisition at the deadline last year for Reese but still, McGuire, baby. But he's still a good lefty. Yeah. And then you got the you got the uh, Rule Five pick in Avila, and then of course Jose Ruiz and Jimmy Lambert, another good just kind of depth cleanup duty arm. So yeah. I, if you add Crochet and Hendricks into that bullpen, it's 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 nasty, and they can shorten up those mediocre Clevenger and Giolito starts to four or five innings and and take over from there. I just hope they push their chips in and move for a four. At some point before the deadline, I agree. Like I, I think if they're competitive, bad, they need to do that. They, they need, need to. to. They yeah. need more starting pitching, and mm-hmm. I, I hope that they do it. Let's wrap with the Cleveland Guardians. Um, Mike Zanino going to be the opening day catcher. Uh, it is, uh, I guess, a battle between Bo Naylor and Zach Collins. I don't think Zach Collins is good at all. He's not. Um, it should be Naylor, although they may just want to slap Naylor in triple for a little bit before like 
getting him up to take it bats away from Zunino. Um, I don't think that Naylor breaks camp if he's just going to be the bench catcher. No, I think they want him playing every day. Yeah. Right? They want him catching at least as much as possible, and they want him hitting every day. So he wouldn't be playing in the WBC, I think, if he was a sure thing to break camp. I expect him to start in the minor leagues, and that's fine. Naylor Naylor still can work on some things defensively. He's got some defensive stuff. Yeah, and I think you know there's a legit scenario where Zunino, like, if he's really struggling, Bo Naylor putting up numbers in AAA, they might just relegate Zanino to, to the AAA role. you know, Or, excuse me, to the backup role. Yeah, excuse I think me. they might just That's relegate to the backup role. The backup role, role is what, what I meant to say. And, and call help Bo Naylor from AAA. Yes. So, like, that's that could easily be the flip-flop here. And, and honestly, Zanino, probably a better option than Hedges because he's going to give you just as good a defense and he's going to hit better. Even though both these guys swing and miss, he's going to hit better than Hedge. Hedge is the worst hitter in Major League Baseball. He's going to hit 40 points better, and he's a 200 hitter. <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> correct. That tells you all correct. you got to know about Austin Hedges, uh, who will probably start behind the plate for the Pittsburgh Pirates. But Josh Naylor will be at first. Um, you're going to have Andres Jimenez, six-win player a year ago, at second. Ahmed Rosario at short. Like That feels like the guy, that, the short thing for them uh, as the everyday shortstop. Uh, and then you've got Jose Ramirez, one of the best players in baseball, at third. Outfield left to right will likely be Quan, Miles Straw, and Oscar Gonzalez with Josh Bell serving as the DH. I, I just I like this lineup. And then you've got Gabriel Arias, Tyler Freeman, Will Brennan waiting on the bench with however many guys that are in AAA knocking on the door bat-wise. Like, they're just so deep. I don't know how star-studded they are outside of J-Ram and Jimenez, but... I mean, this team like got to the postseason. I think this is a postseason lineup again. Well, so if if you put Will Brennan in center field, which you know I hope they platoon Straw and Brennan, or I don't know how they're gonna how they're gonna approach. I him. hope so. Brennan's but, a lefty, Straw's a righty. Simple as that. Yeah, and and Straw's an elite defender, but that's it, right? But so let's say you have Brennan in center field, just for the sake of this point, I want to make. There's a legit scenario where eight of your nine hitters have a WRC plus above 100. Right, eight of your nine hitters are above above league average hitters, and honestly, Zanino's had seasons where he's been above 100 WRC plus. I don't think he will be, but my point being is, you know, maybe only one or two guys are above a 130, which would be you know J Ram, and then you know one of the other guys that maybe steps up a Jimenez, a Bell, whatever. But this entire lineup is going to be above average, and they're going to grind out at bats. Yeah, they are going to wear you down. And yeah. that's what they did last year. But now they added a little bit more thump with Josh Bell. Now some of their prospects are more ready, like a Will Brennan. I love the bench options of Gabriel Arias and Tyler Freeman. Um, you know, Freeman was always an overrated prospect in my eyes, but he's a good bat-to-ball guy that can play all over the he's infield. He's just never an everyday middle of the order. Arias, I still think, can be a good player, but at the very least, great defender with good speed and can run into baseballs, and he can play almost every position on the diamond yeah. at a high level. Those are two guys you love to have on your bench. I think. Ar- Arias is the guy that doesn't fit the guardian mold. A lot like Valera, and a little bit like young Kenzie Noel right now. But I'd say Valera and Arias are the two best examples of this. In that, you know, they like bat to ball. Uh, maybe sacrifice some power for some bat to ball. Um, these two guys are yes, swing and miss, but the ball's going to go really yeah. far. Yeah, and 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 when you're going to not fit the mold, it always helps when you can play all over the diamond. So yes, I mean, this lineup top to bottom is 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 really solid, and I think it's only going to be better because I think J Ram's going to be better than he was last year. You adding Josh Bell to this lineup was exactly what they needed. Yes, they needed a little bit more thump. They add that thump, and I think Oscar Gonzalez now for a full season, Love him. for a full season, Love him. he's going to be a dude. Uh, I the only question I have for them is or two questions. 
When do we see Bo Naylor? But Mike Zanino, I think, makes me a little bit more patient because yes. I think that's a fine catcher. A lot of it. And how do you feel about Miles Straw in center field every day? I know how good he is defensively, and I know what that means to the Guardians, but I want I, I want to see a little bit more offense, especially when this isn't going to be the most powerful team in the world. Yeah, and I think Will Brennan's a great option in center. Mm-hmm. Brennan is a good defender in center. He's not Straw, but he's a good defender in yeah. center, and he hits exponentially more. Um, all right, one and two in the rotation is Bieber and McKenzie. No notes. Cal Quantrill is the three. He's going to be the three. Like, I... Obviously, Cal Quantrill is one of the most talked about people on this show, so <laughs> we don't need to get into him. Four and five. That's wrong. I, I pitched this to Peter. Would you rather have Savali and Plesak as your four and five, or I threw these names into a hat and you pick any of them to go on day four or day five? Xavion Curry, Connor Pilkington, Joey Cantillo, Logan Allen, Peyton Battenfield. Hmm. I like Battenfield, but I know he did not quite do what I was hoping he would do last year. He's um, not a strikeout guy. He's a pitch-to-contact, get get people out early guy. I'd probably... It's tough because you take for granted just being able to pitch relatively competitively at the big league level, right? Like, yeah. So, Xavier Curry could come up and get, and get shelled. Yes. So, I would say I'd probably... Probably rather have Savali and Plesak, but I am very ready for Logan Allen to plug into that rotation. I will say I, I'm a Logan Allen. I know he got shelled in triple. I like Logan Allen a lot. I will probably take Logan Allen over over a Zach Plesak or Savali, whichever one of them is not pitching as well. I'd rather have Logan Allen over one of those guys. So I want to see three guys get every opportunity to get up to the major league level that that they possibly can get, and that's Gavin Williams. Tanner Bybee, who I know both those guys are top 100 guys. Yes. And Tanner Burns, who I'm a big fan of, 24-year-old. So if those three guys are getting opportunities in triple and any of the three succeed, I think you're ready to start taking away Savali and Plesak starts. So, yes, the opening day starting rotation will have Savali and Plesak. I think once we get to the trade deadline, they're not going to feel like that's a weakness that they need to go attack. Um, I I think that Gavin Williams will be up. Uh, and I think that one of Bybee or Burns or hell, maybe Xavier Curry. Dude, or maybe Bybee's, Bybee's so polished. I think he could force his way out. They're not going outside. I agree. And I still, again, Logan Allen is a polished arm. Like yeah. he, he is a pitch ability lefty. Command with, got away at points. That that was it. But like that, he's always had it. I think it'll come back. And I think he's going to be a solid back end of the road. They've got so many options, so many irons in the fire that they will fill out four or five. I guarantee they ship one of Savali or Plesak out once a Gavin Williams, once all those aforementioned names start to show that they're pretty much ready to go. Yeah. Like Gavin could easily start in triple, probably will start in double. Bybee probably start in double with a quick bump to triple. Logan Allen's starting in triple. Curry's starting in triple. Like all these guys are knocking on the door. Whoever really shows up and really impresses could end up being the guy that takes over. It's what everybody wants to hear. Cal Quantrill is the X factor in this starting rotation. If he's good, the Guardians win the division. If he's not good, the White Sox win it. If he's average, it's a toss-up. Bullpen, not many questions about this. This is one of the best bullpens in baseball. Class A, uh, Karen Chak, Trevor Steffen, Nick Sandlin, Eniel De Los Santos, Eli Morgan. You've got Sam Henches dealing with shoulder inflammation right now and Cody Morris uh, dealing with discomfort in his lap. 
Um, if those guys are back, I mean, this is a bullpen where you, you feel comfortable turning to any of them at any given moment. Cody Morris is disgusting. He's gross. So that's a guy that I, I pushed pretty high up in the Guardians ranking because it, it's been injuries for him. Yeah, like it's, it's he, availability. When he's on the field, he's amazing. His fastball is is an easy 70-grade fastball. And and I, I remember writing his up. It was it was gross. And the changeup is disgusting. Curveball is disgusting. Like he's got crazy stuff. He's got a starter's arsenal, but not a starter's durability. Yeah. I, I, if he's healthy, that bullpen, I think, literally becomes what, like every guy in that bullpen could close games. <laughs> like that, that, that crazy. 100%. Um, all right. Rapid fire. One through five in the division. Go. Predicted order of finish. <sighs> That's a tough one. I'm going to say Guardians, Twins, White Sox, Tigers, Royals. Okay. I'm going to say Guardians, White Sox, Twins, Royals, Tigers. Yeah, I figured that was going to be it. You hate the Tigers. I'm just like, I don't know. There's something about like an empty night on June 10th at Comerica and it's a Tuesday and like it's just kind of sad and like yeah. Torque sitting and I don't, it, there's just, like, I don't know. I, I don't think it's like a Kaufman bias or anything like that, but I, I just think it's an exciting lineup and even if the Tigers like put out some prospects, like it's nowhere near the level of fun that Kansas City That's is. That's fair. And I think Vinny Pascantino is going to be one of the best offensive forces in baseball. Exactly, man. So, yeah, we, we differ a little bit, but every link you need is in the show notes. Again, tons and tons of in-person stuff at the World Baseball Classic. Uh, and just shooting the shit at, uh, in Miami. Because you know what? We're all together. This is a rare opportunity. Let's capitalize. So, we will talk to you guys tomorrow. Thank you.